What's good, guys? Welcome back to the Run Free Podcast. This is episode number 72, and I'm stoked to share this interview with one of our own Run Free coach, Jared Carson, with you guys. Uh, Before we get into that, just want to remind you guys, our Run Free free camp is coming up July 19th to the 23rd. It's not too late. It's almost too late, but it's not quite too late. Um, If you guys are interested in joining us in beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona, the running mecca of United States distance running. If you guys want to come to camp, it's totally free, but it's only for our athletes. So not too late to sign up now for coaching. And uh, we'd love to have you guys in Flagstaff and have you guys join us. All right, guys, hope your training's going well. And before we jump into today's episode, I already said that, but I'm saying it again. Just want to remind you guys, as the temperatures are warming up, I've been doing this with the athletes that I'm coaching, just reminding my athletes, guys, we need to start adjusting our times for training. I'm already starting to get feedback from athletes being frustrated with their times and not being where they want to be. And all of a sudden, they're running 10 seconds per mile slower than they're typically running. And that frustration is just coming from them running in hot and humid conditions and not adjusting the pace accordingly. So quick tip for you guys right off the bat is just make sure if you're running hot and humid conditions, make sure you got to readjust your times that you're hitting. You're not going to be hitting the same times you're hitting in perfect conditions. So take that for what it is. And now let's hop into today's episode. Jared, welcome to Run Free Podcast. Thanks, Ryan, for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, dude, stoked. And we're sitting here in Eugene, Oregon. Sorry about if you're hearing motorcycles. We're in a hotel room that is right by the beautiful, I believe that's the Mackenzie River. It is. It is a beautiful yeah. river, but we have a busy street behind us. A beautiful behind highway well. right yeah. along the yeah. beautiful river. Yeah. We're just enjoying all of it. But anyways, stoked. So Jared's Run Free Coach. Qualified for the how many Olympic trials have you been to? Just one Olympic trials. Qualified for the twenty twenty Olympic trials. Yep. And coached by co-founder Jay. You yep. still work on Jay, right? Yep. You yep. guys been working together for how long? Like 15, 16 years now. Yeah. Jay started coaching me when I was in college, and we've worked together kind of off and on since then. And and uh, he got me ready when I qualified for the trials back in two thousand eighteen, and then um, ever since then. So it's been a long. A long-standing relationship what's uh this so i'm gonna get into your intro here in a second but off that what's your favorite thing about working with jay jay is um off the walls creative and is always looking to try new things which i enjoy as an athlete most creative workout he's ever given you that you can remember oh most creative workout um Giving you hard questions right you off the are bat. right off the bat we just started here it's a good thing you decided to call it's not like it's a super creative workout it's just a workout that i like a lot that jay has me do um and i think i've told you this one before but i'll do um two miles uh at like half marathon pace and then i go straight into four by a mile where i alternate between half marathon and 10k pace but I like That's that. A tough workout. It's a tough workout, but I like that workout too because I get a lot of confidence because I know I'm getting fit when everything just starts to become 10k or 5k pace, yeah. and then I'm like, no, I'm ready to go. Dude, that's a solid workout for real. Yeah. So, and uh, Jared is a stud marathoner. So PR in the marathon is two seventeen fifty. Two seventeen fifty. I think you can still go faster than that. That's the goal. You're yeah. still a young buck. How old are you now, Jared? Uh, I'm thirty four. 34. So, Jared and I go way back. We met in Mammoth Lakes. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we met. I'll hold you honest to this, because I remember exactly when I first met you. We'll see if you oh, remember Oh, jeez. Well, no. I'm interviewing you, buddy. I get, I get to ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was going to have you tell the story, actually. I was, just, I was just leading with, we met in Mammoth Lakes at the Altitude Project, and then you take it from there. Do you remember which year it was? Uh, 1990, something, 2000. <laughs> I... I think it was 2006, because when did you run 59.43 in Houston? What year was that? 2007. Okay, yeah. so this would have been 2006, because I don't think you had run that quite yet. And uh, it was Altitude Project. We were out there. Jay was the coach. We had gone out there from Shorter University. We were out in Mammoth for Georgia. Altitude. Yep, Georgia. And we were out there for a week of our own camp, and then we were out there for Altitude Project for a week. And you were flying in, I remember, and I was leaving the next day. 
And at the time, you know, I was a college athlete who followed stats like no other. And I was like, oh, I want to meet Ryan. And Avery, the camp yeah. counselor, was yeah. like, oh, he's going to be here tomorrow. He's doing some, he's going to do some clinics and talks this week, but you guys are going to be gone. I was like, well, I really want to meet him. He goes, well, I think he'll be in like really late tonight. And it was like midnight, I think. Yeah. And we were packing up and you and Sarah had gotten in. And you guys were nice enough to say, yeah, sure, we'll meet some, like, camp kid who wants to meet us. And so it was, like, midnight we met. And then I remember flying out. I had to leave to get to Reno the next morning for a flight out the next day. Nice. No, I don't remember that. I didn't think you would. So <laughs> I have a picture to prove it too. But um, you do? Yeah. Can you send me that picture? Yeah, so we, and you like transformations because our transformations have changed a lot. Like, yeah. Um, like the size you were in that picture, <laughs> and we switched several places. sizes. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a good one to pick. Uh, post with Instagram for this episode. So let's, let's do it. But yeah, Jared is a stud run free coach. Been with Run Free from the beginning. Mm-hmm. One of our first. And just does such an amazing job with our athletes. Does some, speaking of creativity, yep. he wants to pick that up with Jay. Yep. Does some creative things with his ath- athletes. Um, what was the thing that Jay and I crashed? The Friday night drinks, not drinks, but, uh, you know, people. Happy hour. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Happy hour. Yeah, that was fun. Back hour. in the fall, we got um, my crew together. Because, you know, as you know, like we're all scattered all over the country. And it, it was fun to kind of bring all of us together that night and so we did a little happy hour last fall and got the whole crew together we had folks from california and folks from tennessee and texas that all came together and got a chance to meet each other and hang out and um and yeah it was fun that you guys crashed in the middle which they had no idea you two were going to be popping on so that was exciting yeah that was super fun yeah which reminds me i'm looking forward to when we can do some in-person coaching with our athletes that's coming up this summer if you're a run free athlete don't forget about camp july what was it 14th 19th through 23rd? Yeah. Jared, Jared's got a good memory, too. Monday through Friday. If Monday, that's the yep. 19th and 23rd, yep. that's, that's, that's the it. Date. So Jared's going to be there. Yep. And hopefully a bunch of our athletes are going to be there. It's free if you're one of our athletes. If you're not one of our athletes, sign up so you can come to camp because it's free. Um, so Jared's stud marathoner. He's run 217 for the marathon, qualified for the last Olympic trials. But you haven't run a marathon in a bit, so what do you got going on tomorrow, Jared? Tell us about what you're doing here. Yeah, so we're in Eugene right now uh, to help do some pacing duties tomorrow, um, just south of Eugene. We're gonna we're gonna go out there and help some athletes. Hopefully, get to the starting line of Tokyo this summer in the Olympics. So, going out to do some pacing duties around five fifty five. Not no faster on the nose five fifty five um, and hopefully get and hopefully have some super excited athletes tomorrow yeah so, and, and you know I told you this earlier like this has been a fun opportunity for me as well because you know twenty twenty obviously hit all of us in the same way as far as no races on the calendar so it's it's been a while since I've gone through the marathon motions meaning like the training the having chill nights and getting rest you know the eating habits like just mentally getting prepared. So even though I'm not starting tomorrow with the mindset of going out at my race pace, like it still feels, it still feels the same. It's almost a dress rehearsal for when I do this again, and, yeah. and to remind the, the body and the mind what it's like. So you've done pacing a couple times now, and I think this might be interesting for our audience, like what it's like to pace. Because I think there's something beautiful to be learned from pacing other athletes. Because I've talked about this on the Run Free podcast, one way to get through pain is to get outside of your own suffering, of your own hurt, to think about someone else. And so I know I've had this experience, and I'm curious to hear if you've had a similar experience, where when I'm pacing athletes, I'm just thinking about the athlete behind me all the time. And so I'm not even thinking about how much I'm hurting or what's going on with me. And then I'm actually like always surprised when I'm pacing how easy it feels or how far I'm able to go mm-hmm. or maybe the fitness isn't quite there and yet I'm still able to like go at that pace yep. because I'm outside of my own pain sure. and my own suffering. Yep. Have you had similar experience or what is it like pacing yeah. for you? Yeah, I mean it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun opportunity because you're out there trying to help give back to the running community and you're trying to help someone else. Um, it's it's stressful and similar in a different reason because you're focused on someone else and you don't want to screw it up for them, right? Like you want to make sure you hit the pace that they're asking for as much as possible. But as a pacer, you're also thinking about other things. You know, you're looking at the road ahead to make sure there's no potholes or you know poles sticking up out of the ground that we have to face tomorrow. And so you're a little bit more aware than you are when you're racing and you just turn your mind off. 
but as far as like being in tune with your body, you're not really thinking about your own pain. Um, and I've had the chance now to, you know, pace a couple times and obviously I got to pace Sarah back in the fall. Um, we got to tell this story real quick. Yeah. So how, how long did I get in touch with you before you, you were gave pace me, Sarah? you gave me five days notice <laughs> of pacing Sarah. And so, so hold on. pacing Sarah, she's running a half marathon and we we're trying to run 68 low. So that is what pace we're going at. Well, five twelve, yeah. Five twelve yeah. days. Yeah. So yeah, I gave you five days notice. Jared, hey, can you hop in half marathon at yeah. five twelve? Yeah. And then I thought I was kind of didn't it wasn't it a joke? I was kind of joking with you on the text, and then Jay was on there too. Yeah, so Jay, Jay was called on you a tag. gamer, which is the perfect yep. adjective yep. for you. Yep. You well, obviously I live in Portland, so I was just up the road a couple hours, and you said, "Hey, we're gonna be in town. Like, do you want to come help pace next weekend?" And I said, I, I don't know how fit I am. Maybe I can take her six to eight miles. And Jay replied and said something along the lines of like, oh, he's a gamer. He'll be down for it. And then I remember that evening you saying, hey, I think I'm going to need you. And I remember writing back and saying, cool, see if you can find some other guys in Eugene <laughs> and then let me know if you don't. And I, I distinctly remember going upstairs to put my son to bed, coming back downstairs, looking at my phone, seeing a text me that said, hey, man, we need you on Friday. And I was like, oh, man, here we go. Because I was not in great shape. Um, but, again, like, I remember the morning of the race, like, I didn't even think about my fitness level because it was like, what do you need, Sarah? Like, let's go. And and we just we got the job done. Yeah, you guys did a phenomenal job pacing that race. Yeah. So we're back on the same path tomorrow. Yep. Round yeah. two. Pacing. Total the distance, but total the, double, the, uh, yeah. double the fitness today right yeah. now, so... Yeah, and which is also a perfect adjective for you, which is selfless. So I think a pacer is obviously it's a very selfless role, right? And I think about you, like you're so selfless. I see that with your athletes, with your family, with your friends. Like, so where did that come from? Was that ingrained in your childhood with your parents, or where where did you get inspired to be such a selfless individual? I think a lot of it came from um, from my from my mom, uh, in particular. Um, She's a pretty selfless individual um, and is always doing stuff for other people. And I think most moms are pretty selfless. Yeah. That's kind of a selfless yep, job. Yeah. And so I think a lot of that came um, from her. And I think I've always been kind of like that, but I would say it's more recent years that I've like learned that more about myself. Probably to a fault sometimes. I think I have to honestly work a little bit harder to be a little bit more selfish. Like you need to like protect your boundaries. Like Yeah, protect my boundaries. Like I'm always thinking about other people's um, feelings or considerations like in trying to plan something. So it can make for a very, it can be very stressful sometimes when I'm trying to plan something because I want to make sure that like everyone feels included or, um, or it can be just difficult for me sometimes to just stop and take time for myself even though I know that I'm probably going to be a better friend, a better parent, a better whatever it may be because I've been able to kind of have some time for myself as well. So mm -hmm. there's good and bad qualities to being selfless, but I think you just have to, you have to be, you have to recognize that, right? Right. And then be able to, to address it. So how did your level of selflessness change when you had a child? How did that change for you? Um, you, you know, you immediately go from thinking about like what could what would you want to do and now you all like that immediately becomes your second priority right. you know yeah. it's and you know as a parent too like your children's needs are always your top priority and so i have a son he's five his name's brady and it's like it's always like if i want to do this or if i need to do this like what does brady need first you know what does the schedule look like let's make sure he's set and then i plan from there right so um it's you know it's a big responsibility but it's a responsibility you, you i love that responsibility yeah. too at the same time so you're running now obviously you've been running since well tell the story real quick how did you get into running yeah i started running uh as a freshman in high school um, I grew up as a soccer player. I, I played baseball, played soccer as a kid, but really got into soccer at a young age and loved soccer. Like, played soccer every single day until the sun went down. Like, wrecked the fence in our parents' backyard because <laughs> we just kicked soccer balls on it every single day. And so that was like, I wanted to play soccer in college. But when I got to high school, I just realized that I wasn't <laughs> as good as the other players in the team. And I just, 
I didn't really enjoy it as much. So I started running as a way just to stay in shape for soccer. And by my junior year, I, um, I quit soccer and started running like year round. So I did track in the spring, did cross country in the fall, got more serious about running in the summertime because I used to just, whatever the first day of cross country practice was at school, that's the first day I started running. Yeah. So by junior, senior year, got into running more. So then decided like definitely knew I wanted to run at the collegiate level. Ran at a, at a small school at the NAIA level um, where Jay coached me and just really started to develop a lot more as an athlete or as a runner. Um, started to enjoy the sport more and it went from what I looked at as a sport to more of a lifestyle mm. and just something that I just like could take with me and it, it started teaching me lessons about life and I started to enjoy it more and then I started to improve more as a runner as well. And then I just never could quite give it up, you know? It's like, you get done with college and it was kind of like, well, what do you do next? You're, you know, quote, season's over. Um, and I, you know, I took time off here and there over the years, but I never completely got myself removed from the sport. And obviously running is something that I'm always gonna continue to do. But for some reason, I just have like not lost the drive long enough to just keep chasing after standards. And, you know, I think that uh, you know, you hear people say before, like, I've heard you say before too, like, you just got to keep swinging for the fences. And like, I just think that I just keep swinging for the fences because, you know, and I look at myself as a high school runner, I definitely wasn't running times that would have told me that I was going to qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon or run 217 and have the realistic thought of running even faster than that. You know, guys in high school were way faster than me. Um, but I, there's something about it. Just like I fell in love with it and just like kept chipping away and like patience and like just doing the same thing year after year like you just start to see those results yeah so so what what is like the fence for you like what is the ultimate goal that you would love to hit whether it's a time or a qualifying mark or what is it yeah no i i think about that for sure because i'm 34 i'll be 35 this year and uh i've qualified for one olympic trials and i've got that on the back of my mind for 2024 right um and it's, I love running, but I also am very motivated by challenges and obstacles. And so I know that there will be a day like that comes to an end. Like not being able to just chase after times is going to, I'm not going to be able to do that forever. So I have my mind like wanting to qualify for the 2024 trials. And I have my mind like running in the 215 and 216 range. And I think if I do those two things, I'll be very, very happy and content. And then... Then we'll start talking about the protein oh, yeah. shakes and the weightlifting. Then we're going to get jacked. Then we're going to go to the transformation. Because <laughs> I need a challenge. Like, that's yeah. it. Like, uh. I don't want, I know I'll always run, but I know I won't always want to chase after running goals. You know, as Brady gets a little bit older and gets more involved in activities, as I get older, like, it's just not going to be something that excites me at the same level as it does right now and has in, in the past. And so I'm going to need something else. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm looking forward to the day that I find something else and yeah yeah i think you and i are a lot alike in that area because i feel like there's some people who run and don't get me wrong like i love the sensation of running like looking out at priest trails out our window yep. right here like i was just looking out the window i was like man that actually looks pretty good get out yep. in the trails be floating along a six minute pace the problem is that wouldn't happen for me anymore <laughs> but i like i i did enjoy the sensation of running but i think what captured me more is like what you're saying like i love challenges mm-hmm. and going yep. after something with everything inside of me and so like even now i was thinking about this the other day i was in the my gym in my garage under a whole bunch of weights squatting like 475 pounds and just like in a world of hurt a world of pain but like just trying to collect all of myself and put it all into that bar and it's like every fiber in your being is going into that bar and it's like all of you into all of that bar and there's something about that process where it's like i think what i really love about this is it's a moment when i feel the most alive sure my mind isn't somewhere else like all of me is going into all of this Mm -hmm. and there's something about that that just like grabs me and i just want more of it you know totally and I think, like, growing up, like, I can remember in high school, I would do road races all the time because road races were fun and exciting. And I love to race, but I think I don't race that much anymore as I've gotten older because I don't need that same stimulus. Like, mm-hmm. back then, racing was the peak. Like, that was the stimulus that I needed to get me excited. And, and I, it's when I ran the fastest. But now as I'm older and I've been running for so long, like, 
I can still find myself reaching some of those challenging stimulus in workouts. And so I get really excited to like hit workouts. Mm -hmm. And I try not to do the same workouts too, too often because I don't want to compare. But I do get excited when I'm like, when I know I've reached a level of fitness because I just nailed this workout or just nailed that work. So like that's fun and that's exciting. But in order to do that, you got to do the workouts right now. <laughs> you have to have yeah. a structured schedule. And, uh, and it's fun now, but I know there will be a day where I just want to go for a run. Uh -huh. <laughs> have a beer with a buddy afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And not have the stress and the pressure of like having the nail workout. But until that, right now, I still have that fire burning inside of me. And until I lose it, like, hopefully I can keep that fire burning until 2024. <laughs> yeah, or I think to realize that nothing in life is supposed to change, even our passions for mm -hmm. running, you know? It's like you mentioned, like, nailing that workout is what grabs you right now. But maybe down the road, it's just like going for a jog with your yep. buddies and the social component of yep. that. And just being totally fine with that. Being like, my passion for this sport is supposed to change. Sure. It's not always supposed to be about performance. At some point, it's going to morph into this other thing. Or maybe my I want my passion to stay the same, what I love about running. So now I need to find a new way to meet that passion yep. that's not in the running space because yep. I've exhausted it within the running space. Yep. So I think for our listeners, like think about like I think this is really important to talk about like what do you actually love about running? Yep. So I think a lot of people like myself for a long time is like, I don't know, I just like to run. Yep. It's fun. Yeah. You know? Yep. But like taking some time to like sit down if you need to journal about it and be like what is it that i actually love about this because yeah. then you can feed yourself more yep. of that and make sure you get that to keep that fire burning yeah and i mean you know i bet if we took a poll there were a lot of people in 2020 that had time to think about that and yeah. like really come to the realization of what that was for them or if they didn't they're probably trying to think about it now as races start to get back on the calendar like why did I like to sign up for those races? Like, was it because I was chasing a time goal? Was it because I just wanted to improve myself? Was it because it turned into a fun vacation with family or friends because we were going to a new city? So, yeah. Yeah, and then for some people to be okay with like, like COVID pulled out all those races and maybe what they really love about running is just the racing. Sure. Like, I don't even like to train. Yep. I just like to yep. race, you know, like yep. you said, for the experience, the travel, or maybe just for the race itself. Yep. And to be okay with, okay, like, it's okay that I was low motivation like all of the COVID year because I didn't have races to train for and not beat yourself up about that and yeah. be like, what's wrong with me? I'm in such a funk. I forget it. I'm done with running. Yeah. I'd rather be like, okay, running's going to come back. The races are going to come back. And then my motivation's going to return and just be okay with being like, all right, I'm just going to go through this kind of low motivation season yep. and I'm not going to like throw in the towel as a yep. result of that. But you know, 2020 was interesting because it really showed you a lot of like what fired people up. Like mm -hmm. some people, I would say majority of people probably weren't super motivated or it took a while to get motivated again. But man, there were some people, you know, there's some guys that I run with in my group that have just had a phenomenal year, like a breakthrough in years of racing. And you think to yourself, like, well, there haven't been any races. And it's like, well, that's fine. Like I've been able to run these fast time trials or I've been able to show myself that I was, I could go to this next level of fitness. And so I'm excited for those who have had a great year of training now and they do get to a real race to see what they can do. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of, I mean, we've seen a lot of world records falling this year. Yep. American records. It's like people have capitalized on the, the COVID year. But for people who haven't, they feel like, oh man, I lost that year. To also like be like, I'm okay with that. And now it's about, um, you know, present and sure. like getting going now yep. getting back on the horse like just getting on the horse as quick as possible yep. is yep. always the goal so yep. absolutely so what's uh what's next for you after this marathon that you're pacing tomorrow what are you thinking um so i think the plan will be like just like get the body like fully feeling great you know um i i always like dealing with a little niggles here and there so like get the body feeling really good and in a good place do a little bit shorter faster stuff I mean, like, you know, obviously as a run-free coach, like, we share similar philosophies when it comes to training, and, like, I always like to take a little bit shorter, faster training block to just build some foot speed before I go into a marathon block and do some faster stuff the first part of the summer, and then, like, just get ready for a fall marathon. Um, you know, we're lucky that in Portland the weather's pretty mild. I mean, it has, you know, it can get warm in July, August, but for the most part it's pretty, pretty good weather. 
Um, and then the goal is to go after a fast time in Chicago this fall. Nice. So. Yeah. It's going to be fun this fall. There's so many races mm-hmm. going down. It's going to be like yep. race binging. It will Everyone, be. People can catch up on all the lost time. Yep. yep. I'm stoked on that. So you mentioned uh, loving to go after workouts and really trying to nail workouts. So I was thinking it'd be cool to talk to our audience about how to what are you actually telling yourself in your mind so like a lot of people myself included I'm, I can remember showing up to the track big workout on schedule and just feeling nervous and feeling like that nervousness kind of like makes me tight and tense and mm-hmm. like all of a sudden I'm not performing really well so yeah. how do you approach big workouts and making sure like you're getting 100% out of your body on that day yeah, so for me, like I am one of those athletes, one of those runners who I would say that I race a little bit better than I train. Like I'll have some out of the park workouts here and there, but for me, like I just love to race. And so I and I wasn't always like this, but now like, you know, over the past few years, like when I go to a race, I don't quite get as nervous for the races anymore because I feel like if I've put in the work and training then the race is just, it's time to have fun now. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, there's there's not, yeah, there's pressure, but like there's people there, there's energy, there's just, like, it's just like I am able to find in that element, I take my body to a whole new level. So for me though, what that means is like I put more pressure on myself in training a little bit now to make sure I can experience that on race day and have that fun experience. So, I mean, I, I workouts are, can sometimes be more nerve-wracking for me, especially if they're on the track. Yeah. I don't love the track and so those are the I mean moments where I have to like visualize and like really get prepared but you gotta pick and choose your workouts too because you'll run yourself into the ground if you're trying to nail every workout right, right. and yep. we talk about like having like A, B, C workouts mm-hmm. throughout the week or throughout a training block right like it, maybe you're on a you know a weekly basis maybe you're on a 10 day block or something like that and so I will find myself you know, kind of picking and choosing like what workouts I need to prioritize. And if I'm training for a marathon, for example, like I'm obviously looking at the longer, harder efforts as being like my A workout for the week. And so I don't forget about the other workouts, but I try not to put as much pressure on those because I know that I need to focus and put a lot of energy, mental energy into getting ready for the A workouts. And so I'll practice like I might erase, you know, it's like you're mindful of what you eat the night before. Um, you know, you're mindful of making sure you're getting plenty of sleep the week of leading up to that um, so that you can be able to come and just execute when it comes to that workout. But you can't do that for all your workouts or you're going to stress yourself out, right? right. And, it's, and then it's not going to become fun. And I think right. the moment it starts feeling like it's not fun and that the, I talk all the time about like enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. And if you're not able to enjoy the journey or the process because you're stressing yourself out too much, you gotta take a step back and reevaluate and see what changes you need to make. And for me, I know that is, the older I've gotten, that's less workouts and more recovery days. Yeah. Um, so that helps to take some of the stress off because I'm not trying to hit as many workouts in one week. And then it's picking and choosing. And I'm looking and I'm going, okay, if I'm training for a 5K, sure, I need to make sure I'm hitting that hard interval workout. And maybe the long run on the weekend, it won't be as stressful to hit. But then if I'm in a marathon block, it's the other way around. Like, okay, I need to do the 10K work and I need to get it in, but I'm not gonna stress myself out because I have a long tempo or long intervals this weekend that I'm gonna need to put my mental headspace and attention into. I think that's so important. I think oftentimes with athletes, they think they need to bring it to every single workout, right? And then they're just like fried and they create like mental blocks with their workouts and negativity that comes with it and just gets really ugly really quick, you know? So I think that's super important that if you are an athlete and you're listening to this like once per week, like nail that workout. And then your other workouts are like supportive workouts where you're still doing important work, but the pressure shouldn't be there to try and hit a certain split of time. And and I think too, like, you know, people try to sometimes maybe ignore the little things, but I think the little things just start to add up. Like one of the things I remember Jay told me years ago was like all these little workouts build upon each other. And I still think about that today, to this day, like something as simple as strides. Like some people go, I don't need to do strides. And it's like, but if you think about doing strides like every week, week in, week out, and you do strides two days a week, like that's not a stressful workout really. And I even get creative with my athletes and with my personal self. Like, you know, I don't stop and always do strides with a walk in between because 
you know, we're busy. Like, yeah, I got to right. get moving a little bit. So I'll just throw in, like, 15, 20-second mm-hmm. pickups in the last mile or two miles of my run to get some foot speed in to get some turnover. But that starts to add up over time. So when you go to do those shorter, faster workouts, that the strides helped with that. And then those shorter, faster workouts start to help with the short tempos. And then that starts to help with the longer stuff. So it all builds upon one another. Um, and, and I will find myself being like, oh, cool, I have strides today. But, like, I'm going to focus on those strides because... Right. They're not super stressful. Like, it's not like a workout. I'm not changing shoes and, like, you know, but it's still allowing you to, you know, get moving and build some turnover. Yeah. And it's like, are you making a deposit today or a withdrawal? Yep. You know? It's like every little component of training you do like that, you can look at it as, like, eh, this is probably not going to make that big a difference. Or you can be like, I'm just making a little investment today. Yep. Just a little yep. investment. And I'm going to reap this one day, yep. you know? And those little investments start to add up. Yeah. I mean, it's everything, right? Yep. Like, we've talked a lot about consistency and how important that is. It's it's everything. It's why you're still getting better at the age that you are because yep. you're consistent with your training. So let's actually talk about that. So you, a lot of our athletes, people who are listening to this podcast, they're in the same boat as you. So you work at Nike. Yep. Why don't you tell everyone what you do for Nike? Yeah, so full-time job. I work at Nike. I've been at Nike for about three years. Um, I've always kind of been in the running space. Prior to Nike, I worked at Asics, which you and I obviously got yep. to see each other at a lot of events over the years and was in kind of more of a sales route, touching product then. But at Nike, I, uh, I manage product data. So it's been fun. I get to kind of still touch and see and understand product and how we create that and get it out to the marketplace. But then I also do a lot of process improvement and data analytics um, and making sure products flow where it needs to flow. So um, a lot of kind of the behind the scenes stuff that consumers don't always see, but it's necessary to get that product out. And uh, I've been there for, yeah, about three years now. Um, so tell me a little more about what the culture is at Nike. You know, like we're here in Eugene and everything's yep. Nike and you hear a lot about Nike as a company and how intense they can be in business like and stuff, but you're on the inside, you work yep. for them. What is what is the culture like at Nike? Like, what have been some of the good, the bad, like everything? Sure. Um, I think, you know, for me, I've been there three years now, um, and I've had a good experience. You know, you always hear at a big company, like, there's always going to be good and bad stories, right? right? Yeah, um, most I've been, there are. Yeah, yeah. and then, so I've been fortunate to, uh, you know, always be on a good team, have a really supportive, supportive manager, um, and, and really, for me, uh, have a good work-life balance. Um, and I mean that in the sense of, you know, I'm going to have to think back now because it's been a year since we've been on campus, but you know, the Nike campus is, is beautiful. Uh, like, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a grass field that's about eight hundred meters around and I love running on that. Like I'll do workouts out there. I'll do easy runs out there. Um, there's a turf field that's great to run on. We have a track on campus. We have wood chip trails that's about two mile loop around. We have a gravel trail that's about a mile and a half around. So like, don't forget about the gym. We have a gym. gym I was getting eh? there. I was getting there. We have <laughs> we have one. Two, there's three gyms on campus. What? Three gyms. There's three gyms on campus. Oh, um, and so you've got plenty of workout equipment. That's too much goodness um, for me. <laughs> there's I, I had a great a great core routine, yeah. strength routine that I was yeah. able to do with all the equipment there. I've had to get creative since we don't have that right now. There's a pool, so I would do a lot of pool running as well. Um, because I'm not a super high mileage guy because I'm not super durable body. So I had to get creative with the bike and with the pool. Um, and it's a beautiful campus. And so, I mean, that definitely has like... And you have lunch with Michael Jordan every day. And I have lunch with Michael Jordan every day. Yeah. yeah. He's yet to talk to me, but <laughs> I at least try. Um, and so, you know, that I think was one thing that really helped to ignite my running about three years ago when I started working there because I had a new group of guys to train with, new location, you know, I've said this word already once before, and I'll say it again, like stimulus. Like, it's yeah. good to find these new stimulus in time. And so, like, when things are getting kind of stale in your training, you got to find something to switch it up. And I, when I was training, was getting kind of stale for a while, and then I started working at Nike, and then I had all these great facilities and places to run. So that definitely helped. Um, and so, it, and, you know, I've been lucky to have a team that's super supportive of my running as well. Like, you know, everyone on my team, like, not everyone runs, but everyone's aware that I, I am a runner. And, like, they were, like, you know, they put a calendar invite on the schedule last year and had the team come together and, like, watch the trials when the trials took place. Um, they're super supportive of, like, hey, like, you know, have you got your run-in today? Like, if not, like, you know, what's going to be a good time for us to have this meeting? And, you know, it's – I do miss the culture as far as, like, the lunch runs. Like, mm-hmm. you knew every day if you went down to the gym at 1130, 12 o'clock, 
you could go by yourself, but you knew you were going to probably run into someone. And by the end of your run, you were running with, you know, eight, nine, ten people. That's pretty and cool. And I missed that, yeah. you know. That's um, really cool. You know, we used to have that a lot, which was nice. Yeah. When do you guys plan on going back in person? Do you know? I hope the fall. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, slowly people are starting to go back to campus, but it'll probably be more closer to the fall before yeah. a large group of people are back. So are Nike shoes just, like, falling out of the sky on you every day? New pair of shoes. I wish. How does that work for for employees and product? I think people. Probably I wish. Care. I think people think that you know if you work for a brand, you just get free product all the time. Um, it doesn't work like that always. I mean, when it comes to training shoes, uh, I've been lucky to, you know, we have employee discount, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to racing shoes, like you know we've you know been lucky enough to usually help test product over the years. So that that's been fun profit project as well, just to sort of watch that. The transformation of, of shoes over the over the years yeah so, yeah i yeah. mean you guys have been the cutting edge of that one causing a lot of problems for other brands, creating conversations <laughs> <laughs> always a, nike's always a little forcing, bit forcing a little edgy a little edgy a little edgy but they're they're pushing the the boundaries on everyone so <laughs> as long as it's making everyone better and faster we're good um, so you mentioned one thing that I wanted to double back on, and because I think a lot of our athletes can relate to this, I see this a lot on the athlete intake form. We ask them what kind of training they like to do, and a lot of them are like, "I do not like intervals. I do not like being on the track." So you mentioned not loving the track. Um, tools for those people who don't love the track. How do they be successful? Why should they be on the track? How do they get them kick themselves in the pants to get on the track? Well, I think first off, you have to ask the athlete why they don't like the track. Um, some people don't like the track because they feel like a hamster on a wheel, right? Like they're just running in the same place over and over. Some people, like myself, don't like the track because they know that the track means super fast stuff, and I don't respond very well to super fast stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to understand why the athlete doesn't like the track, and then work on improving those weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, and but the track is so important. You know, as a marathoner, like it, it, getting onto the track allows us to build the foot speed and allows us to be able to pop off the ground and allows us to be a more efficient runner. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, a lot of times marathoners might say, well, I don't, I don't plan to ever, you know, run a 35 second 200 at the end of my, yeah. at the end of my marathon. But it's not about that. It's about building efficiency so you can be a more efficient runner. So you can be, you know, more efficient over the half marathon and marathon distances. So, speaking of performance on the track, tell everyone about your PR in the 200 meters on the track. Oh, uh, so uh, this would have been, oh goodness, uh, summer of 2020 yeah. in Montana on a hot, sunny day, um, laced up with a fresh pair of Nike Pegasus. No spikes at all. And uh, so much I think we've gone, I think we went 27-7. Yeah. I think was what it was. Yeah, no, said we, so I was there. We gotta, you gotta tell the story now. 27-7 would be my, 27-7 would be my 200 PR, which, is that embarrassing to admit? But no, I'm a marathoner, so it's fine. That's all. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, the thing is, it was at the end of a, it was at end, end of, of a workout. workout. Yeah, yeah. You have not even spikes on. No. And then again, Jared being the gamer that he is, I think I rolled up on the on the bike and I was like, Jared, we need done. To, yeah, you were done with the workout. I was like, we gotta rip one more two hundred or something yep. like that. Yep. I, and I had music playing. Yeah. And then I just got all up in your ear. Yeah. I was biking next to you, just screaming. Yeah. I lost my voice for like three days yep. after I'm that. I'm still waiting to see footage of that because I think Chad got that. Footage. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, Chad. Jane, I want to see that. Pull that up. We want to see that. Um, and yeah, then I got was... a phone call with 50 meters to go did, on the did. speaker. Yep. 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 <laughs> you killed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that hurt. You would have been under 27 if I didn't get that phone what call. What do you think? I, what, what would I have run if, with spikes on? Definitely under 27. Okay. 26.5. Okay. We actually, you don't know about this yet. You're learning about this right now. For the uh, first time, we're ever. doing we're going to go 200 to Blackstaff this summer. Ooh. 200 time trial between me and Lucas. Lucas. Yeah, Lucas Garrett. He's got some power. He does. He's got some power. Yeah, right. he wants you in on this too. So he wants me in on this. Yeah, yeah. I kind of. It's going to actually be a decent <laughs> race because he's got he's got some power for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think he can get off the line quick. We'll see if he can hold. So yeah, the race with Lucas, I start tying up after like 50 meters, dude. I'm good for 50. And then I have to like start taking gels and stuff or else Oof. I go backwards. So I'm going to have to have like two gels popped on hand ready to go. Okay. 
Alright, we'll have those cells ready. We're gonna hand those to you. <laughs> and then you can do a deadlift after you finish. Ooh. That anything with a deadlift, I'm That could be fun. That makes Lucas, it infinitely more fun for me. I might be up for that too. Lucas can move some weight. That yeah. guy's strong. Yeah. Lucas, we're we're hyping you up here, buddy. Yeah, you better, better be ready. <laughs> you better be ready. <laughs> bring the deadlift, bring the two hundred meter sprint. So you're going. Lucas is racing. Soon. Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah, run free Lucas. What's he going for? Um he is, I, I think Lucas is ready to run, uh, I think Lucas is ready to run 230, 236 to 237. No pressure, Lucas. No. 236, 237. Yeah. He just came off uninvited a, to camp. He just came off a uh, 116 half. Yeah. Yeah. He had some really good workouts. He was in the race with Shereen. I didn't even he know was. that. He was 15 like, seconds behind. <laughs> yeah. 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 run together. Yeah. All right. So anyways, good luck, Lucas, in your marathon coming up, buddy. Um. So obviously, as you know, this podcast is all about like things that go on inside of us, how to manage ourselves well, how to perform from the inside out. What has been, you mentioned during this podcast, life lessons that you've learned from running that have been so helpful for you. So if you could just pick out one of those and just be like, man, this is something I learned from running that has just been so helpful in my life. Um, there's a lot, obviously. Um, but I would say the one thing that like I have taken away from running is just being patient uh, and being consistent. And what I mean by that is, you know, from a running standpoint, I've had to be patient in my career. Like, I I got really impatient when I was young. Like, I used to compare myself to other runners. Why can't I run that the times they run? Comparison's I, the worst. Killjoy. You know, I, I used to know too much about the athletes going into the race. Um, if I can't run this time, then I'm never going to be able to run that time. And I finally let that go and learned, you know, over the years, like, just the patience and being consistent. Everyone's going to improve on a different on a different timeline, right? Like, we're not all going to be, you know, running the same performances at the same time. Some people, it might they might respond to something really quickly. Others, it might take years. Um, and then others, you might not ever actually reach what you thought you were capable of, but that doesn't mean you're a failure by any means. Right. It just means, like you've got to reevaluate or maybe you learned something else out another lesson out of it but then it's applied to my you know my personal life as well and just being patient and being consistent um and patience i think patience with kids is super important kids is super super important yeah. and you know as much as i love brady and as cute as he is the, t- the patience can still get tested sometimes <laughs> and so you got to learn to be patient with yeah. him but just like learning to be um i don't not expect like everything to happen right away mm, you know I, so like from good. a career standpoint for example like I think it's really easy to go it's it's very easy for me to look at my resume and go well I did this this and this and you go back to the comparison and do it in my career well this person I used to work with and they only did this this and this how are they there and I'm only mm-hmm. here right now or if I had taken this path it would have got me here before that but then well would you have learned this lesson over mm-hmm. that lesson um, so and I have to remind myself that a lot you know yeah. I mean, it's easy it's like you get really excited about maybe a new career adjustment or a new job and then it doesn't pan out exactly how you thought it would or you didn't get what you wanted or and it doesn't mean that you're a failure it just mm-hmm. means that like the opportunity that's right for you is is still in front of you so um, interesting thought on this I actually just had this on the airplane yesterday heading up here to Eugene I don't know where this thought came from. I was literally just like blank staring out in front of me as we're about to take off the airplane. And this thought came to me. Isn't it interesting? That's it. Isn't it interesting? And my thought with that was, how great would life be if everything that happened to you, that was your response to it? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Don't get the promotion at work that your friend got that you should have got. Isn't that interesting? didn't hit that PR that you thought you were in shape to hit isn't that interesting you know like what if I just feel like it detaches this emotional reaction to what happens to us you know and it becomes like I can now step back from that and observe it like a scientist and just be like this is interesting like I'm seeing this I'm checking it out I'm interested I'm curious but this is not me necessarily a reflection of me or my character and I was just like I was just tripping on that for a little bit I was like dude life would be amazing 
amazing. Like, can you imagine if everything yeah. you did and you walked in, like, even, like, your, with your kids and everything, you just, like, were observing, just curious, <laughs> you know? You're just like, this is so interesting. When you think deep about that. Yeah. 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 So, that, anyways, that's kind of a random segment, but... Or no, and I, but I, but I also think, too, like, you know, if things came so easy, would we appreciate it, you mm-hmm. know? Or we, we take things for granted, like the job stuff for example like if you always nailed every interview and got every job you ever wanted would you really appreciate it when there will be a moment in your life where something challenging is is in front of you like how are you going to be able to get over that then if you haven't faced those challenges before or i had this conversation with natalie one of our other yeah, yeah. podcasts on, on on her podcast a few months back of like i said one of the reasons I think I'm still running at a competitive level at this age, I mean, I'm 34, I've been doing this for a Old long time. Old man, 34. Is like, <laughs> like, I think it's because I've gotten knocked down so much oh, and I've yeah. gotten injured so much and I've had to just like get back. I think if it came easy and I never got banged up or if, you know, I wanted to run a time and it just happened like that, like, I wouldn't have the fire inside of me to keep fighting for mm-hmm. it, you know? And so you appreciate it a lot more. And so I think that's what keeps me keeps me going but you gotta be patient you gotta be consistent yeah with that and you also gotta realize like maybe what it's about it's not about you hitting it it's about you learning to pick yourself up over and over and over again and that's actually like where the gold is at that's the good stuff you know like the hitting it that's fun it's gratifying of course but like if you can see like my journey is not just about me hitting it accomplishing this goal it's about me learning resilience which is what i hear you saying and seeing you it's like almost like at this point like nothing can knock you down and keep you down like you just keep getting back up right and that is such a beautiful place to get to so much more valuable than if you just hit everything had it up into the right career running career that just you know you never had a setback never had it like you wouldn't be resilient at all if and that is a scary place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather be a resilient dude who hasn't knocked it out of the park, not to say that you haven't, but you know what I mean, yep. than like someone who's just like hit everything out totally. of the park, but totally. the littlest thing, and they're down in the dumps, and they can't pick themselves yeah. back up. Yeah, you know? yep, yeah. I mean, I think I remember, I remember vividly uh, 2018 CIM when I, when I qualified for the trials. Like, crossed the finish line, I was ecstatic, obviously, because I just ran a huge marathon PR and qualified for the trial, but I wasn't even thinking about the time. I was immediately thinking about all the moments over the years that got me to that like first in cross country practice in high school my cross country coach who like encouraged me to keep running in college like the teammates that i met in college the places i've been over the years the friendships i've made the training that led up to that like those are all the moments you think about that's a long process like that's a long journey to get to that day and but that's what makes it moment that sweet is is all those and there were lots of ups and downs in that man like big injuries that knocked me out for a year and a half at time like it stuff that i know it wouldn't have been a sweet of a moment if it had come easy for me yeah and i you know and i have to like remind myself of that and like personal struggles within life as well about like i'm gonna get knocked down like i've done this in running before and i come back up i can do this in my personal life as well yeah totally so man we could talk for a heck of a long time I gotta go do some bottles with Shereen here in a little bit, but I really wanna hear about what your mountaintop experience was like. So obviously competing in Olympic trials, big goal that you had probably from the time you got in the sport, right? Yep. So take us through that. What was that actually like to toe the line in Atlanta? Well, so for those listening that don't know, I'm, I'm originally from Atlanta, and so... So you're know, used to the hills. I'm used Home to court the hills. advantage. I'm used to the hills, and they still beat me up. Atlanta um, hills. Atlanta flat. I hate that word. Yeah, that's not a word. Yeah, that was <laughs> not Atlanta words. flat. Um, and it was, it was such a homecoming experience, right? Like, it was where I started running, um, standing on the starting line for me. I, I, I've never been on a, in a race like that big of an experience before, and I knew it'd be exciting, but man, like, standing on the starting line with all those athletes and I think there was they said there were like 200,000 people in the streets of Atlanta that day lining the streets watching the race and it sounded like it I mean it was loud and I remember when we took off the first 100 200 meters and then we turned I was like oh, it, it won't be this loud and it got loud yeah, and it just yeah. sounded like you were in a tunnel of people screaming and it was an emotional day for sure um, but a really really fun day and there's so many people that you know high school friends friends, seen in years came back out 
they're like, you're still running, you know? Um, do you, and they do you, thought that I was at the Olympics. They don't understand what the trials is, you know? So in their minds, they're like, you did it! You made the Olympics! I'm like, sure, you lived that dream. Uh, high school coaches out there, like, family, friends, you know, you guys are obviously all out there. Like, it was just, it was a fun, like, a, a day that I'll never forget. Um, and, you know, but that's kind of, like, what lights me to, like, want to get back for 2024. Yeah, but it won't be in Atlanta, obviously, so, like, that's the moment that, like, it was pretty special being, being back in, in my hometown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, at least wherever it is next time, it's probably going to be not as hilly as Atlanta. It will so not be as hilly, so that. we will be happy about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, dude, we'll be, we'll be cheering you on as our run-free coach going for the trials. I mean, now it's only three years out. It's funny because yep. the Olympics still hasn't happened yet, but it's going to roll around quick. I know. We should find out what the standards are for yeah yeah i think they're working on that right now that's what i hear i haven't heard a time yet but i know they're they're working on it so yeah dude wish you all the best thanks for coming on the run food podcast man appreciate your time and appreciate appreciate your selflessness and uh oh yeah quick question on that the one i was curious so now you're running do you see it as selfless or selfish is it and totally fine to have selfish time like i have selfish time where it's like i get 90 minutes in the garage where I get to bust out my weights and it's selfish time. Yep. Like, it's just about me doing what I like to do. Yep. So how how's running for you? How do you see running it? Running for me would definitely be my selfish time. Yeah, I mean it's it's I I mean I run with a group of people here and there, but uh, a majority of the time I spend running by myself and I love it. Like I put a podcast on, I listen to music. Sometimes I don't listen to anything and it's just time to myself um, because between work and parent life, there's a lot to juggle. Like that is my time to just clear my head. I think the best. Yeah, when I'm out there I mean there will be sometimes I'll be in the middle of work and I'm like I gotta go and go for a run or yeah. and I think I clear my head and I come back and I have a new thought or something so do you find that your mood is totally different post run compared to pre run oh for sure yeah yeah, yeah. And especially that- if I can run I am like a middle of the morning type guy my energy levels are the best then I'm awake I'm alert I've had my coffee I've been able to have some conversations and communicate with people whether it's work or personal like I'm my mind stimulated and like I really like to run at that point but yeah, I and mean, it's funny because it's like you, like if I talk to like a family member or a close friend, like right after, especially a good run, like they can tell, like, oh, you're in a, yeah. you're in a decent mood right yeah. now. Yeah, so huge. That's why I tell parents like you gotta have selfish time. Yeah, got to have selfish time because you're gonna be a better dad, a better yep. mom after that. You're gonna be in such a better mood. Your whole day is gonna be better. You know, yep. so do it if you're a parent. Make selfish time for you. It's okay. I give you permission. 60 to 90 minutes selfish time (laughs) all right jared well thanks for joining us man good luck tomorrow and uh thanks for being such an amazing part of our run free community yep thanks ryan appreciate it